Remember when your grandma watched the member drive on PBS and joined so she could get that sweet Peter, Paul, and Mary concert on VHS? Now you can do the same thing with the Pop Culture Preservation Society. Each of our episodes is created with the help of listeners like you. And you can become a financial supporter of the PCPS over on Patreon.com to help us pay the bills and keep doing what we love. To show our appreciation, we'll send you welcome gifts and give you access to bonus content, like video recordings of our episodes, after-the-episode discussions, and blooper reels from the cutting room floor. Just go to Patreon.com. P-A-T-R-E-O-N, type Pop Culture Preservation Society into the search bubble and choose the level of support that feels right for you. And if you're not able to contribute at this time, remember that listening is the most important form of support you could ever give. Thank you. And if you sing the words, baby, remember my name, the person next to you will likely sing, remember, remember, remember. Hello world, here's a song that we're singing Come on, get happy A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing We'll make you happy Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation whose celebrity chefs included Chef Tell, Chef Brockett, and Chef Boyardee. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be saving the movie beloved by every theater nerd, band geek, and future solid gold dancer in the halls of your junior high school, making Irene Cara a household name, the 1980 musical drama Fame. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Hello world, is a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. When Irene Cara died on November 25th, 2022, we looked at each other and said, our next episode is fame. It was always on our list. Don't think it wasn't on the list. It was on the list. But like a lot of people, in that moment, you're sad and you're grateful and you're nostalgic and you need so badly to pay tribute, to roll around in the gifts that they gave us and proclaim that you loved this person. Mm-hmm. Yes, I um, I had a unique feeling, which I realize um, happens when a celebrity that was part of my youth passes away. And so it's kind of like this haunting, bittersweet, kind of nostalgic feeling, but it's different than when another kind of celebrity would pass away. And Mm -hmm. I felt that way with Irene Cara, even though I I hadn't seen the movie, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but the music and and all of that just, it's like a part of my youth Mm -hmm. died too. Well, and I think different than when we've been losing so many like of our people lately, right, you guys? And I mm-hmm. think with Irene Cara, she was young. I mean, not to say that she was young. That that some of the older ones, you're like, well, you know. But you are kind of like, well, you know, they lived a good long life. Yeah. It's time. I don't right? know. Irene Cara to me. It's a normal time seemed, for someone to die. It's like when Olivia Newton John died, I mean, at a different magnitude. Right. But at yeah. the same time where you're like, no, no, not yet. And and right. I think Irene Cara too, um, she's Regardless of, I think, of if you saw fame or not, you just associate mm-hmm. her with those songs and that music. I mean, she was all over our TVs for a few years there. Right. Yes, On every was. talk show, she was mm-hmm. performing all the time. And gosh, just so cute and bubbly and 
We all loved so her. I mean, we've been watching her forever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. It was really sad. Like you were just saying, Michelle, we saw her a lot um, intensely for, um, you know, the early 80s and that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden it was like crickets. Where Where did Irene Cara go? And um, she actually, in 1985, she sued the record company that had produced Flashdance for royalties and money that was not given her that she felt. Not fame, but Flashdance. Flashdance, correct. Okay. I said flash. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she was, she was seeking $10 million from them in punitive damages and approximately 2 million for um, compensatory damages. And she was owed money that they like she exactly like she was owed money. I mean, think like Taylor Swift recently, but Irene Cara was the first female to kind of do this and not back down. Uh, it took until 1993 for this lawsuit to be settled, and she was oh awarded God. only oh, $1.5 wow. $1. million. After um, all that time, you'd was... think it should have gone up, right? Like exactly. there should have been interest on that or something. Exactly. And um, and she claims, and it seems it, when you look at the timeline, very much a possibility that um, the president of the record company, his name was Al Corey, that she was basically blacklisted in the industry. Like, as a record mm-hmm. company, you don't want to work with Irene Cara. She's, you know, a diva and all of these things. So she couldn't get record contracts oh, no. uh, or recording contracts. And really, her career just, we didn't hear much more about her after um, after Flashdance. And that seems kind of textbook, you know. Doesn't we it? Of, we know that about um, the entertainment industry, particularly about women. We don't hear much about men. Right. A lot about women. If you dare to ask what you deserve, you'll be called a diva and you'll be blacklisted. Right. And that just makes me so sad, but at the same time, so appreciative for what she was willing to do. Uh, Basically lose her career, but say, Mm -hmm. this is not fair. And hopefully paved the way a little bit, even though we know that others have had to sue as well. But, you know, just to say, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I don't get to be compensated accordingly. And she didn't didn't let up until finally 1993. Thank goodness, um, you know she was compensated. But she her last hit was um, in 1984. That is crushing yeah. because she. I mean, talk about such promise. Oh my gosh, she how was talented! So beloved, how talented! The two things that she did were just off the charts, and be- right. she became so recognizable. She became a household name, and they took it all away. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you know that. So I mean, mad. we can yeah. all, I think, agree that she kind of exploded onto the scene with fame, even though she had been in mm-hmm. the electric company, as we all know. And listeners, we talk about that That's in right. our electric company mm-hmm. episode, which is a fun episode. Um, that was something we kind of learned, didn't we? I don't think any of us hadn't really known that before our electric mm-hmm. company episode. Had no we? idea. I know. I don't think anybody knew that. Mm-hmm. And so that. she was in the short circus. That girl that you watched on Electric Company was her. Yeah. And so from a very young age, she was so promising. And she actually, I didn't realize this, she had been very recognizable to people in the industry as a child post-Electric Company. So like between Electric Company and and fame, she did some things on Broadway. She did a show with Shirley Jones and Jack Cassidy. She did some, some wow. made-for-TV movies that had her labeled as sort of like the next big thing. She was just a really promising star. I, I don't recall any of that. Um, and maybe it was it was just fame when she landed in my world at the appropriate time. And so today we celebrate Irene Cara by celebrating the movie that catapulted her to stardom. Yes, let's do that. I'm so excited. Me too. Okay, 
We just had to get you that. You know what? Away. It's the movie. Well, listen, it's the movie that's truly is going to make Irene Cara live forever. Yes. yes. Think about that. Oh my that's not irony, that's coincidence. Right. There's a difference. Grammarly will have us know. No. That's an amazing coincidence. Okay, so the movie fame. The movie fame was released nationwide on June 20th, 1980, and tells the story of the incoming freshman class at Fiorello LaGuardia High School. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> Also known as the New York City High School of the Performing Arts, sometimes called PA. Sometimes it's known as PA, which is a real school full of real graduates that you know and love in real life. People like Liza Minnelli, Robert De Niro, Jennifer Aniston, who was buddies with Chaz Bono, who was also a student at the school, Aquafina, the comedian from Crazy Rich Asians, and Nora from Queens, who did not study theater but instead played the trumpet, um, Adrian Brody, who was one of my secret crushes. Um, I know, I love really? him. It's the nose. <laughs> the, the nose? It's like I, my girls yes. have, like, that's how they feel about Adam Driver. Yes, and I have an Adam Driver thing, too. He's uh-huh. in the same category. Oh, good for you. I know. <laughs> Carolyn's like, <laughs> Someone's got to love him. <laughs> no, she's <laughs> right. Yep, he's mine. Um, but also Al Pacino, Timothy Chalamet, who was there alongside Ansel Elgort. Actually, Timothy Chalamet almost didn't get in. Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know. Look at him, right? He's going to be – I mean, does he have an Oscar yet? He will soon. He will, um, yeah. How about Nicki Minaj, uh, SNL's Michael Che, and Sarah Michelle Gellar, a.k.a. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who right. nearly failed out of the school because she missed so many classes. But that was because she had a recurring role on All My Children as Kendall, Erica yes, Kane's long-lost daughter. Oh. That's right. She did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would – think that you could get an excused absence or something if you're actually like work-study program. Yeah. Work-study. Right? Yes. Although I suppose they have to draw the line somewhere where they're like, we're not going to give you a high school diploma just because you worked, <laughs> right? You have to pass English. Yes. Well, did you guys know that Irene Carrot actually went to a school like this as well in New York? She did not go to the New York City High School of Performing Arts, but she did attend the Professional Children's School in Manhattan. And she joins an esteemed list of alumni as well. Just a few are Yo-Yo Ma, Carrie Fisher, Phoebe Cates, Rita Moreno, Julia Stiles, the Van Pattens, both of them. All of them? Dick, what about Dick? Let's just say all of them. (laughs) Christopher Walken, Buddy Rich, Vera Wang, because, you know, at the Professional Children's School, it's music, fashion, dance, everything. So, yeah, the list was crazy. So she knows what she's she's doing when she's Mm -hmm. acting in this movie. Um, And because... Fiorello LaGuardia High School. I can't even say it. Pretend I didn't say that. <laughs> because Fiorello. Is, <laughs> Fiorello. Where do you go? I go to Fiorello. Because this is a real school, the movie fame caused pain and anguish for millions of mediocre performers in junior high schools across the nation in places that are not New York City. Because why, oh why, must I be stuck in this boring educational prison in the middle of America where they don't recognize my burgeoning talent? <laughs> it's so true. Kristen, you For, sound like you speak from experience. Yeah. I don't know. I've just I've just heard I've just heard from <laughs> just people heard. that they may have felt that way. People, well, like, exactly. My gifts be suffocated here. I know. <laughs> At. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I know for sure that as someone who just absolutely knew she should be an Annie or be the 11-year-old perspective chorus line dancer <laughs> in a chorus line, 
be 11 I felt this was the, right. They needed to add just an 11 year old to a course line. I knew this was the type of school for me. I mean, Mm -hmm. at the very least, I, I needed to be at a school where at lunchtime we could dance on the lunch tables. I mean, why bother going to lunch? I don't know. If you're not going to dance on the table. To eat and sit next to the cute boys. Here, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) listeners, is where we have, you can tell, some different interests. Our worlds diverge. Yes, our worlds definitely do. Seriously, for certain parts of the population, this was a movie that people clung to, right? Anyone who felt shunned by the athletic department, people who were allergic to gym, but it was rated R. And it was not a lighthearted musical at all. So it's possible that not a lot of people our age saw it in 1980 when it came out. I did not see it when it first came out. Um, I think I probably thought it was just some exactly lighthearted, going to be just some people singing. You know, they'll be talking and then all of a sudden they'll break out into song. And that just wasn't my vibe. I didn't have the dance gene. I didn't have the dance gene that some other people might have had. So, um, yeah, so I definitely, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, had an expectation going into this movie um, of what it was going to be like. And that was it. It was going to be this lighthearted, foofy, people mm-hmm. singing and dancing and leg mm-hmm. warmers. And did you hate Jim mm-hmm. or love Jim? I was a mediocre gym, you know, I okay. didn't hate it by any stretch. I mean, it was right up there with recess. There were moments I didn't enjoy, like the flexed arm hang, as we have right. discussed before. But I did like going to gym. Okay, so I, you know think, what, though, that's, I, I think that's a correlation. Okay. For sure. And I know I, I definitely saw it in the early 80s, but it being rated R, I just, I don't know when, where, how. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a slumber party when it became available on VHS or something. But at any rate, I have very vivid memories of the movie. I haven't seen I had not seen it in decades until yesterday. Um, and yesterday I was hoosker dude by several parts of the movie that I had totally forgotten about. And Carolyn, I think what you said is how maybe a lot of people sort of had this um this view of it as a slighthearted musical. I think that over the past few decades of me not seeing it, that's kind of what I went back into it yesterday, almost expecting. I had forgotten just how serious it is. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 14 when it came out. Wait, 13? I might have been 13. Okay. It was June I'm not sure. 20th, I was in, 1980. Yeah, June 20th, 1980. <laughs> oh, I was 12. Okay. I was 12 years mm-hmm. old. And I was invited to go to see fame with the Stein girls, of course. <laughs> But that was never going to fly. My parents were like, no way. It's rated R. And you guys, I threw a fit of epic proportions. A tantrum, like a toddler. I'm like my body on the ground. I'm serious. It's it's embarrassing. But my parents weren't budging. So I went and I wrote a note alleging that they were engaging in some kind of child abuse. (laughs) And (laughs) I remember what I wrote. I wrote on the note... At least in the movies, they yell at other people. You yell at me. (laughs) And I wrote that on a note. And then I stuck it on the wall and I ran away. But And I was going to say I stuck it on the wall. I stuck a post-it on the wall. But no, because post-its weren't invented yet. (laughs) So that means that I had to go and find a piece of tape to put on my note to go into their room and violently stick it on the wall and then run away. Wait, run away like... Pack your no, bags? No, no. Okay. Just like run dramatically from okay. the room. Okay. <laughs> right? 
So I think the child abuse accusation might have gotten to them because they they thought they would make it all better. They were going to smooth things over. No, you can't go see the dance movie. But instead, we'll go. We'll all go to a movie as a family tonight. Let's all go see a movie. And so my parents brought the whole family to see the jerk. The jerk. I remember this story. It's Steve Martin. That is rated R. I don't know if so that missed, they missed that. And the whole movie is about his special purpose, which is his erection. The movie is about his erection. You guys, my sister was four years old. My whole family went to see the erection movie. <laughs> the erection movie. And I was so confused. I'm like, I don't understand. I can't see the dance movie, but I can see the erection movie. I just didn't understand. And I think my parents, too, were a little a little confused because they were like, oh, I guess you can go see the dance movie now. And eventually I got to see Fame with the Stein Girls. I was just going to say, um, one of the things I think was sorely, sorely missing from our 100th episode retrospective was an appearance by the Stein Girls. Oh, God, that would have been fantastic. How, how, yes. how have we not found them yet? I, they I wouldn't have seen no any idea movies that without they, them. No, but they are, well, there's just, they have no idea. There are two girls out there. Mm -hmm. They have no idea that they are kind of the co-stars of this (laughs) podcast. They have uh, popped up in probably 50 of the past Mm -hmm. hundred episodes. Oh, for sure. And I have sent them, like, via social media, I've sent them episodes that they're mentioned in. But, you know, social media is hit or miss. Some people check, some people don't. So, um, to my knowledge, they haven't heard about themselves in any episodes yet. Well, they really need to listen. And I particularly am grateful for them because, like you said, Michelle, 50 episodes or so that we've talked about. I mean, Kristen, you would have missed out on a lot of life. Except for the jerk. Right. (laughs) Well, I see. I suspect that all that the reason your parents didn't let you go see fame wasn't as much because it was rated R. It's because the Stein girls invited you. And by this point, you're 12 years old and they understand the influence the Stein girls are having on you by now. And so all that was your that was your mistake right there, Kristen. The Stein girls invited me to go see fame. You should have said, you know. That that lovely little church going girl next door invited me to go. <laughs> Who's see never seen a rated R movie in her whole Bernadette. life? Bernadette. Bernadette's invited Bernadette. me to go see this lovely movie mm-hmm. about tap dancing and dancing and. Lunch. And she doesn't have any older sisters. Oh, you know what else? It was also the first cassette tape I ever bought. This was uh-huh. my transition from vinyl into cassette. I had a five dollar bill from Grammy, and I was at Great American Music, and I bought the cassette tape to Fame. My very first tape. I it's a love great that. soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Such a good yeah, soundtrack. Oh, totally. I wore that right. thing out. Oh, my God. I wore that thing out. Mm-hmm. And so speaking of which, even if you didn't see the movie, you remember the movie's title song, also called Fame, sung by the dearly departed Irene Cara, because the song was a huge hit. It won an Oscar for Best Song. Among other things, Irene Cara was nominated for Best New Artist. And it was also the very first performance ever on the debut episode of Solid Gold. Wow. And she looked so amazing. Remember when we did our Solid Gold episode and we all rewatched that first episode and we couldn't stop talking about her outfit. You guys go back, listeners, go back and watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and watch that. You can find it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Solid Gold and Fame. She's fantastic. So the musical director for the movie, um, his name is Michael Gore, and he is the brother of someone you might know. He is the brother of- Yeah, I was going to say. Not Al. 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 (laughs) Al Gore. <laughs> well, it depends. Who would you rather be brothers with? Um, Al Gore 
or Leslie Gore. Leslie Gore, the late 60s girl phenom who did It's My Party and I'll Cry if I Want to. That's his sister. And he helped her write that song. Oh, what a fun little fact. I can't believe you didn't pick that up, Carolyn. That seems like something you would come across before me. No, I did not. And that was a huge hit, too. So he, for the movie, he wanted to write an original song, and he was inspired by Donna Summer. That was kind of his guiding light. And so he approached Giorgio Moroder, Moroder, who is Donna Summer's producer and also the writer of Flashdance, and he said no. And then he went to Jeff Lynne, the lead singer of ELO, who also did the soundtrack for Xanadu. So you can see where he's going here, right? He said no. So instead, Michael Gore wrote it himself with a man named Dean Pitchford, who coincidentally wrote the theme song for Solid Gold. Solid Gold. It's all, it's so all we just stitch it all know. together, right? We just stitch it all together. Yeah. So I love this. The signature line from the song Fame, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to live forever comes from the poet Dylan Thomas, who wrote that the gift of the poet is that even if he doesn't live long, he lives on in the words that he writes. That is what fame means to those seeking it, right? I will create work that will live forever beyond my own lifetime, and people will remember my name because of my work. And if you sing the words, baby, remember my name, the person next to you will likely sing... Remember, 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 remember my name. (laughs) And I know, are you going to tell us who sang that? You can tell it. You can do it. Oh, uh, well, because I love this person. So the person that um, sang that was Luther Vandross. Or do we say Vandross? Really? I don't know. I used to say Vandross, but I'm going to switch. I'm going to do Vandross. Okay. The person who sang that was Luther Vandross, and he did it kind of on a whim. It wasn't written into the song or anything like that. But they liked it so much, they kept it in. Remember, remember, remember. remember. He was remember. like, whoa, 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 Irene Cara. Like, back that up. What if, like, we just, in that little place, we go, remember, remember, <laughs> remember. And he was not anybody at the time. Right. He was just a backup singer. He just went on oh. to be Luther Vandross. Or Vandross, Man. depending on what era I'm talking in. <laughs> okay, like Gala. Well, can I ask, yeah. while we're talking about names, I didn't know if it was Irene Cara or Irene Cara. Same. I call her both. Okay. I only is say it actually Irene Cara? Cara because everyone who I know named C-A-R-A is Cara, but we should – I wish we could ask I her. always <laughs> thought – see, I always called her Irene Cara until oh, I started talking to you and because <laughs> I just thought I would defer to Kristen because right. Kristen must know that it's Cara. All right, listeners, right now on the count of three, I want everybody to shout out at whatever <laughs> yes. device you're listening on what you think it is. Here we go. One, two, three. I heard Kara. Okay, heard that's Kara. right. We heard it. We yeah. heard it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I and this could be regional too, but I have literally never heard anyone say Irene Cara. But you guys are from a different part of the country. I'm going to look it up. I wonder if yeah. on like Wiki it gives you the little um, symbol over the yeah. A. You know, let's see. Yeah, I'd like okay, to continue. think that with um, how we described her earlier as kind of someone who would stand up for herself. If someone mispronounced her name, like Merv Griffin or something, that she would say, "Merv, it's not Cara, it's Kara." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I would think that that um, that it probably Somebody is knows. Kara. Somebody knows. Well, and and if you didn't um, see the movie, you may have been a fan of the TV show also, which ran from 1981 to 1987. And this could also be why you guys have this idea that it was a lighthearted, floofy, happy-go-lucky show. Um, because the TV show was, the movie was not. I was not a fan. 
The show was very different from the movie. It had the same characters, but not always played by the same actors. And I just could not forgive Erica Gimple for not being Irene Cara. I couldn't do it. Um, Because I was so in love with her. The TV show was a very sanitized, family-friendly version of what was an incredibly powerful and kind of dark and gritty movie. And I didn't care for it. I can't believe it was on for seven years. I know. know. It's a long time. I was surprised because Mm -hmm. I definitely remember it being on. And I'm sure I tried to watch it. That was right in my wheelhouse of watching shows like that. And those types of shows were right in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But since I do not have any specific memories of it, like I have of other shows during that same time that I watched, like Facts of Life, Family Ties, um, Dynasty, Cosby, I'm going to say I didn't watch it. I think it moved around a lot. I think it... um, it came up against some early cancellation and then it was a fan favorite and people went to bat for it. Maybe somebody wrote to the head of CBS like Carolyn and the Waltons <laughs> um, and saved it. And after that, I think it just kept gain- kept gaining momentum. Um, yeah. But I just was not there for it. It was, I don't know why I didn't want to watch a happy show. <laughs> but yeah. I, well, I guess, you know, sometimes the original and the way you felt about it, it's just <clears> like, <throat> you can't mess with that. That's what it is. I was so in love with the movie that I couldn't go for the show because it right. was not the same. It right, was not. Right. Okay, you guys, to um, answer our question, everybody yeah. listen. Irene Cara. Thank you, go. Wikipedia. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Little voice now we know. person in so my phone. So you won't fight. <laughs> we never okay. fight. Okay, so the movie fame. I think we've established that none of us watched the show. But it could right. be why uh, you guys thought that the movie was floofy and mm-hmm. fun. And it was not um, over the, the years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Over the past few your, years, as that I have opinion it. of it changed, despite the fact that you saw it. Well, my opinion of it didn't. I've always known I love that movie. Yeah. You know, if you ever hear, uh, I see the that iconic album cover or whatever. My first yeah. reaction is, oh, I love that movie. I love that movie. But it's one of those movies that I have not seen since probably 1984. And so over the years, I've sort of forgotten the story of it, because I probably only saw it maybe twice. Mm-hmm. At a slumber party um, or something. Yeah, my opinion didn't, but my thought of what it was about did. And yep. you're totally right. That could absolutely be because of what the TV show was like, because that was on for eight years. Yeah. So, you know, you're seeing, pre- even though I'm not watching it on TV, remember TV, you guys? Remember when you used to watch TV and you'd see <laughs> next week on Fame? You would see, right. if you're watching that same network, you would see previews of what you was happening, even if it's a show you didn't TV. watch. Yeah, right. you do. I miss, is it weird to say that I miss ads? But I do. No, no. I don't know. I I miss previews. I miss previews. I miss ads. I don't know what shows are Mm -hmm. on. I don't know when they're on. I don't, I know. I just feel like I'm missing out. I know that makes me like a grandma, but you know, whatever. Um, Okay. So the movie fame was, it follows the story of eight students during their time at the high school of performing arts. And it's divided into five acts, starting with auditions, then following them through freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and senior year, culminating, of course, in graduation. And it was inspired by the musical A Chorus Line, just like Michelle said earlier, because one of the characters in A Chorus Line refers to her time at, she says, PA. That's you know, the performing mm-hmm. arts school it refers to her time at the school in her monologue. Um, and Chorus Line, if you haven't seen it, it was about a group of dancers auditioning for the Chorus Line of a Broadway show. So it's sort of like a prequel to the show that you're going to go see. And the producer thought, well, what if we did a pre-prequel where you see what happens before the Chorus Line auditions? Mm-hmm. Especially because high school is a very formative time. There can be a lot of stories happening when people are, you know, becoming people. They're becoming adults. They're becoming f- performers. Um, so this was where the inspiration for fame came from. Now, fame was not 
the original title of the script. Did you guys find what the original title was? No. Mm-mm. You're going to love this. The movie was originally called Hot Lunch. But when they were in pre-production, yeah, Hot Lunch, um, they saw a movie marquee with a porn movie on it called Hot Lunch. And Ooh. they were informed that Hot Lunch was actually New York slang for oral sex. Oh, oh my. Yeah, so they're like, oopsie. <laughs> That's not going to work. Looking for some hot lunch, baby, this evening. I need oh, hot yeah. lunch, baby, tonight. Too oh. many meetings. I'm sorry, but oh. you have to go there. Oh That's just this. Now that now that I don't know that I'll ever listen to that song in the same way. <laughs> Thanks, Kristen. Oh, yikes. I'm here for you all. So, yeah, obviously they couldn't keep that. That wasn't going to no. work. So they had to get a new name. And here are just some of – they landed on fame, but they here were some of the things that they considered. Neon Dreams. No. No. Um, break a Leg. No. No. Spotlight. I could see that. It's, kind of. it's better, but it's not great. Oh, no. Shooting Stars. No. I don't that like sounds that. like the title of your dance recital in fifth grade. All um, of these do, yeah. Stage Struck. Mm, no. no. Uh, maybe. If it had been called Stage Struck, and that's what we knew it as, and you were net, we were having this conversation and you said they thought about calling it fame. You'd be we like, would oh, probably dumb. go, oh, uh, uh, uh. You know, it's all just struck, because it's been. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> it works. I guess it works. Yeah. But there were, there's another one. I don't know if it's one or two. I don't know if this is one name or if this is two different ones. And this is just so bad. Pizzazz and Razzle Dazzle. Oh, please. Talk about the name of your recital. I know, right? Third grade. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like one name was Pizzazz and the other was Razzle Dazzle or if it was called Pizzazz and Razzle Dazzle, which was just bad, all around bad. <laughs> but to me, um, part of the um, what makes that movie so iconic is that title is the four letters, one syllable on that album. I mean, Razzle yeah. Dazzle, whatever, Hokey Pokey, whatever you just said. Um, I mean, no, it just, it has to be like... It does. It has to be that quick, one-syllable, cool font. I mean, I can close my eyes and picture, mm-hmm. um, yeah, picture that word. The red letters on the back, yeah. on the black background. And mm-hmm. also, a lot of these titles um, make me think of sparkles and sequins. And this was not a sparkly movie. There were no right. sequins in this movie anywhere. Right. No. No. I mean, even in Chorus Line, Chorus Line is also a really gritty performance, but it, and you you have to wait till the very, 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 very end to get the sparkles. You get the sequence mm-hmm. in the very last number. So Fame was shot on location in New York City in the summer of 1979, but not at the actual high school of the performing arts, because apparently the New York Board of Ed dis- disapproved of the script. They said it's too dark, it's too gritty, it's full of profanity and sexual content and depictions of drug use. And they blocked the filmmakers from shooting on the actual school grounds. And so instead, they had to, they discovered the producers found some abandoned school buildings somewhere in the city of New York, and they started filming there instead. But it's not a happy-go-lucky film. It's not sequence. No, it's a little bit misleading when you see the iconic scenes because they always show these scenes to promote the movie, the lunchroom scene, the street dancing scenes. Because watching it through my current lens yesterday, I think the seriousness and the struggles and the personal growth stories are what make this movie so real. And contrary to popular popular belief, these performing arts schools are not 
all kids doing impromptu performances on lunch tables and walking around in costumes. Right. It's intense. It's and it takes a special intense. kind of fortitude to endure the pressure and the competition. And I know this because my daughter went through the national audition experience for BFA musical theater programs her senior year of high school. And she spent the first part of her freshman year of college at a select performing arts college until COVID changed her path. And it was not like that, you guys. And it was not easy. Mm -hmm. It was often cruel and grueling, all of it. And it took a huge toll on her mentally. So this movie is very real. Like, you know, it's dark and dramatic, but it's real life. And now watching it through this lens, I really appreciated that. Isn't that interesting? That's So the thing that people are objecting to, you're saying, this is what I appreciated. And I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know the real picture. I wanted to know people who were real and not shiny and good. Right. It's not pizzazz and razzles. It's fame. It's mm -hmm. what these kids are going through to have fame, to live forever, to have their names live forever. And it's, it's not, yeah, it's not sequins and dancing on lunch tables and kind of all the comic things you see, like them walking around in Romeo and Juliet costumes down the <laughs> hall or whatever. It's, it's a lot of the stuff you saw in this movie. Um, the intensity, the competition, you know, just the demanding mm -hmm. nature of these classes too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious how the um, New York City Department of Ed felt about the script and the movie. They're, they're saying you can't film on our campus, but you are portraying our institution in a way that we are not, what do I want to say? Basically, they didn't approve of them doing the movie mm -hmm. on the campus for all these reasons, mm -hmm. but that's all in the script and that's, yeah. it's not like a made up story, story, I yeah. guess is what right, I'm saying. Right, right. They still it's, told that same story. Yeah. Right. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious as to what the um, New York Department of Ed thought about the film after it was complete and how mm -hmm. it reflected on the um, performing arts school. Well, and they threw up enough roadblocks because this wasn't the only roadblock that they threw up. They threw up enough roadblocks that I'm thinking they did not want to be portrayed in this way, but they had no recourse because um, it's a public entity. I, I don't, I'm not sure what category this falls into, but it's not defamation. It's not libel. Um, they're not yeah. going to sue. Uh, so I guess they just yeah. had to throw up roadblocks and cross their fingers and hope for the best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you say they found an abandoned school to film it in? Yes. Like an mm -hmm. old school? Yeah, you could kind yep. of tell <laughs> watching it again. Mm -hmm. I was sort of like, oh, yikes, mm -hmm. that lunchroom looks like it should be And yet, at the same time, this is an interesting thing. Yes, the, the building in the movie is very old and decrepit and not well-maintained. And yet, I get really warm fuzzies from that because in the places where you take dance classes, where you have to climb creaky stairs and you have... Um, something that's old and just sort of reeking of other people's sweat, that's a familiar place for me. And when I mm -hmm. walk into a nice, shiny, new, state-of-the-art dance studio, I'm almost pissed off. <laughs> like, this yeah. is not what it's about. I don't like it. Oh, and yeah. I get... You know the smell of a ballet room. I want to be bad And not even care I want to go out of my head somewhere I want to go crazy like the dogs in the yard 
Well, the main characters in Fame are all students and teachers from a variety of backgrounds because this is a public school. And although it's an extremely selective school, you can't just sign up to go there. It's a public school open to any and all residents of New York City, free of charge. And this is where the stories come from because pain comes from all kinds of backgrounds, from extremely wealthy Upper East Side families, middle-class Brooklyn families, or kids who are chronically neglected or living on the streets. And we see all of that in Mm -hmm. this movie. Because talent doesn't just fall to those who have the money to pay for lessons and private coaching. And this school recognizes raw talent and cultivates it. Whether these kids have been training for years or not, I mean, we certainly can tell um, that some of these kids are coming with more talent than others. And it's all just, mm-hmm. what do they see in these kids? And I think there's a lot more than just if they can hit that note or do that turn. Oh, you know? I think oh, so. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Right. They're looking for potential. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And this is also where um, the realness of the movie comes from. This is why the story feels so gritty to us, because we're talking about humanity here. Right. Mm-hmm. And to keep it real, they intended to hold the auditions at the actual High School of Performing Arts. But again, Roadblock Department of or the Board of Education said no, fearing that, of course, it would get in the way of the studies of these kids. So what they're going to be acting in this movie and then going to school as well. So an open casting call was held in the summertime instead. And there's only one actual student from the school who was cast in one of the major roles. All of the rest were just extras. And we'll tell you all about that in a minute. And it does seem like I was knowing that fact, watching it the other day, there are so many extras in this movie, so many dancers, so many musicians, just the hallways full of people, performances, practice spaces full of all these people. And this time I looked at those people and I was like, that's a student. That's a student who got to be in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And they're now our age probably. And they're like, yeah, I was in fame. See me, I'm playing the violin back there. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Which I think is very cool. There's also, did you guys know this? There's a rumor that Madonna stood in line to audition for fame. Oh my oh. gosh. Yes. It has not been verified. Um, she would have been 21 years old at time at the time. Sorry, honey, you just don't have it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Next. We're looking for this it quality. Yeah. It is worth mentioning some of the people who appeared so very briefly in fame that you may not have noticed them at all, but they were there hanging out in this really famous movie for just like a split second. Um, There's one character named Touchstone who had a very brief appearance as sort of a crazed Shakespearean jester. He was in the, in the hallways practicing his lines. Remember him? Yeah. No one else is in costume, just him. He was, he had the hat. You mean the one with like the jester jester hat? hat. Oh my gosh. I I can't wait to hear who it is. The designer, Isaac Mizrahi. (gasps) Oh, I see it now. I see it Isn't that crazy? Now. I, I have his yes. shoes. He was an actual student at PA. <laughs> oh, and wow. So he, uh, he auditioned okay. and he got that tiny little, like, one second role. It's a memorable oh my gosh. role, and though. It is. It is a yeah. memorable role. I love nuggets of information like this because now look at him. Like, you can imagine him in that role and then just think what that boy was to become and the influence oh. he was to leave on fashion. Yes. That's and crazy. he's a high school boy going, I'm in a movie, you guys. I'm going to play wow. a jester. I love it. Yeah. I know. I love that. Somebody else that you may not have noticed was in there was, was, were, um, was Meg Tilly. I think the first time we met Meg Tilly was in The Big Chill. Does that sound right? 
And she made her screen debut in Fame. She has no lines. She's a dancer in the movie. So you have to look for her. And it's easiest to see her in the finale, in the last dance performance. Okay. Um, Here's an interesting one. There's a boy named Peter Rafelson who plays a musician and a vocalist. And he is the son of Bob Rafelson. That name might not mean anything to a lot of people, but if you watched the monkeys, you saw it on the screen every time you watched the monkeys because Bob Rafelson created the monkeys. Wow. Yeah. And his son was in fame. I'm guessing his son went to the school and that's, and he auditioned yeah, and got into probably. The, one of the extras. Probably. Wow. And then here's an interesting one that I didn't classify as a cameo until watching it yesterday. Debbie Allen. Mm-hmm. In my mind, mm-hmm. She's the dance teacher at the school. I have always, for 40 years, I've pictured Debbie Allen as the dance teacher at the school. But she's actually only in one scene, which kind of... She's only in that audition scene. Just the audition scene. That's it. She's one of the teachers judging the dance auditions. So I think that qualifies as a cameo. And she delivers one incredibly memorable line that I'll share here in a minute. But from that one scene, she went on to play the dance teacher in the TV show. And that's really, she became a household name, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's right. So mm-hmm. maybe I did watch more episodes of that than I'm thinking. It, co- it could be <laughs> because one of those all of a sudden I can like I was like, well, background. yeah, Debbie Allen's the dance teacher. She's but, the dance teacher. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, you know, memory's weird, you guys. I don't know what happens in my brain sometimes. It really is. I don't weird. think anybody does. I know. I don't even want to know. <laughs> okay. So I mean, let's get into the movie itself. What was fame about? Let's go deep on the story of these eight students at the Fiorello LaGuardia High School for the Performing Arts. Oops. Oh, look at the time. <laughs> that, that is where we will have to leave you today. If you want to take a deep dive into the story of this beloved movie, you'll just have to come back next week. We'll mm-hmm. find out who gets into the school and why, whose mom is a famous actress but leaves him at home alone for months at a time, which single word put Debbie Allen on everybody's radar, and of course, we'll spend lots and lots of time on that iconic dancing on top of cars moment. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Rest in peace, Irene Cara, and so many other talented people who were a part of this movie, including somebody we'll talk about next week, Jean Anthony Ray, the shockingly talented dancer who died way too young at the age of 41. Let's keep them in our hearts this week as we look forward to next week's episode. And if you haven't already, now would be a great time to sign up for our email newsletter, The Weekly Reader. Because guess what, you guys? This week, I'm so excited, we will be getting some stellar dance photos of Kristen from her fame phase in 1980. So you can really see her burgeoning talent. I want some sweet dance moves from I know. Where's the video? I'll bust them out. I want some. Well, you guys, this is pre-video. I am like a dinosaur. There are no <laughs> videos. Right. Of I know, my but dance no, routines. I'm like, you got them now, sister. So bust them oh, out. Oh, yeah, this is and- true. Oh, sure. I can just reenact my, you know. <laughs> okay. Thank God I'm a country boy. Okay. Yes. Another reason to <laughs> sign up for the newsletter. Okay. Also, besides some of uh, Kristen's dance moves, we'll also include a clip of Irene Kara's performance on the very first episode of mm-hmm. Solid Gold. So, so if you are not already subscribed, two fun, easy ways to do it. One, go to our website at poppreservationists.com or click on the link in our Instagram bio. Oh, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you guys, 
Thank you in advance for taking five seconds to click those stars. It is really helpful. And if you have, I don't know, 30 seconds, consider leaving a review to tell us and others what you like about our conversations. And to our Patreon members, thank you, thank you for taking your support to the next level. Your monthly donations help us pay the bills at the Pop Culture Preservation Society, and we quite literally would not be here without you. If you'd like to join our team of cheerleaders, just tap on the support link on our website and follow the directions. And you can also find a link in our link in bio on Instagram. So this week, we are giving a special shout out to patrons, Carmi, Jen, Colleen, Beth, Jennifer, Sheila, and Christina. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company, to good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. Cheers. The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Love and it will keep moving on.